check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys. Welcome to Red Storm Chasers. I'm Vincent here with Craig, Tim, and Nick. On this episode, we're going to look back at the DePaul and New Hampshire game. We've got an interview with St. John's great DJ Kennedy, and we're going to look ahead to the Florida State matchup. Guys, how was everybody's week? Well, for this week, I finally got my daughter to get over her pink eye and uh, little sinus infection she had, so that's great. Finally, uh, the house seems to be bouncing back from all the sicknesses that keeps getting passed around at the daycare. That's good. Get some Kleenex going, Tim. Hey, about to start investing in stock. Yeah, probably some Clorox, too. That'd be good. Nick, what'd you do this week? I went to L.A. this weekend, and I watched the Chargers beat the Dolphins on Sunday Night Football, which was awesome. Very nice, very nice. Uh, great win. I'm a, I'm a Chargers fan, always been a Chargers fan. Never saw them when they were in San Diego. I was a fan when they were in San Diego, uh, and I never saw them out there, but I saw them at SoFi. Amazing stadium. Super new, super state-of-the-art. Uh, and then on Monday, I went to the Rangers-Devils game, and I saw the Rangers win. Big sporting event. So 2-0 two, two on back-to-back days, one, one on each coast. It's pretty good. So you're telling me uh, SoFi better than MetLife, Ooh. the the basic cookie cutter MetLife. Yeah, oh yeah. I almost forgot to mention. I also went to Poly Pavilion, uh, UCLA's stadium, which was absolutely amazing. Wow. Uh, it was even though it was like an it is an old stadium, it felt super new, and it just felt iconic. It's on their campus, right? Yeah, yeah. It's right. Who, on who their they campus. play? They played Denver. Nice. Actually, they were eight and two. Uh, in the first half, it was it was a pretty good game. It was close, but then. UCLA came out in the second half and just blew them up. Yeah. It was so cool, man. They have so many banners in their rafters. <laughs> they won a lot of championships. Super oh, nice. Know. Wish we had that. <laughs> Craig, what do you have going on? Well, I, can't, I don't know if I can top Nick uh, flying coast to coast watching teams win left and right. Um, uh, I, had a, I had a good weekend. I went to the King Tut immersive experience in the city, um, which was pretty cool. Uh, it was cool. You know, it was different. It was cool to see. Uh, that was pretty. You know, that was pretty much it. Other than that, just home. All right, fair enough. I got finals going on at law school, so nothing fun for me. All right, so my question for you guys this week is this. Of all of the fantasy series out there, so I'm talking like Star Wars, The Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter-type movies, Marvel, things like that, of that nature, which is your favorite series, and which one is your single favorite movie? It doesn't have to be in the same series that you enjoy the most. Just your single favorite movie of all of the fantasy genres, the big fantasy series. Has to be a series. Your single favorite movie, and then also your favorite series. But I'm doing it based off the movies, not the books. Because books tend to be different. Obviously, you know, Lord of the Rings has way less yeah, books than Harry Potter. Star Wars doesn't even have books. I know they, they came out with them afterwards. Um, so basically nerd out is what you're trying to do. Nerd out. I'm trying to, I'm trying to nerd us out a little bit, you know? Okay. okay. All right. Cool. I'll go. Everyone wants to go first. Yeah. Tim, yeah. take it. Yeah. So for series, I would have to go Star Wars. Okay. Uh, four, five, and six have a, a lot of special memories. I remember my uh, my mother got me into them. She would always have them on VHS. We'd watch them together. So it's a special memory. Not to mention they're some of the most incredible movies of all time. Well, yes. Four, five, and six. Yes. So. But it's, Very it's, true. It's also like growing up, it, having that part of my family where... My mom would watch it with me, and my dad refused to watch it, ever. <laughs> so it, it, I always found that funny on top of that. For my favorite movie, mm-hmm. Dark Knight. 
Wow, good one. Ooh. Good wow. choice. Okay. Uh, Dark Knight is is a, fa- I mean, I, a spectacular, maybe perhaps the the best superhero movie ever. Yeah, I mean, I love Christopher Nolan. Memento is one of my favorite films. Yeah, Memento is really good. Which, if you watch uh, Batman Begins on TV, it will say Christopher Nolan director Memento, <laughs> <laughs> that's and that's the last time they'll ever say Christopher Nolan director Memento. Right, because <laughs> right, he says because he did the Dark Knight. The Dark Knight is a spectacular movie. Um, I remember seeing that in movie theaters and back to back nights. I mean, it yeah, we saw an opening where a guy yeah. dressed as the. Uh, <laughs> Dressed as the Joker, walked out front and started acting like he was part of the uh, the team that worked there at <laughs> yeah, <sure. laughs> yeah. And we all were like, yeah. And then the real people walked up and were like, oh, oh, <laughs> oh that guy just sat back down. Oh, it. He was just he was just some guy. He just was just some, some random guy that was full Joker gear. So, first of all, Star Wars absolutely incredible series. They've done a great job with the new stuff. I, th- in personal, in my personal opinion, like the, like the. Um, you know the Bad Batch series, which is kind of a cart—you know—is a cartoon. Uh, they they did that off of the Clone Wars series, which is also a cartoon. But You're stealing my thunder, Vincent. spectacularly great. Well, well, all right, Craig, what's your what do you got for? Well, me? I was gonna go Star Wars too, and that's cool. Uh, part of it was because I the this is why it was super nerd out. The Clone Wars uh, animated series really fills in the gap between the second movie and the third movie, and gives a whole new meaning to the world. Changes the, how the prequels are seen. It's if you like Star Wars and you haven't watched Clone Wars, this is your PSA to go do that because it changes everything about Star Wars and you will love it so much more. And Mandalorian. Um, and well, and all, all the other shows. I mean, I, you know, I like them all. So the Mandalorian was great. I thought. I think oh no, I was saying Clone Wars. Oh, the you're right. Mandalorian. You're right. The Clone well, it, it the Wars helps everything in the Star Wars. What universe. I think it, it does gives so much backstory. hundred percent. It gives you that character building that they can't necessarily fit in the movie. Absolutely. And they do it so well, even though it's cartoons. Once you can get past watching you get used the cartoon, to it pretty soon. It, it literally gives so much depth to the characters that it it even enhances an already great. Series, Nick. What do you got? Wait, no, hold on. Oh, oh sorry. sorry. Let's pick his favorite movie. Sorry. Yeah. And one more thing about Star Wars. Just if you have, if you have watched Star Wars, I suggest trying the four. Watch the movies in this order. Four, four, which five, is a New Hope, which is four, which is the first one to ever come out. Then five, which is Empire Strikes Back. Then watch at the end of that. Well, I'm not going to ruin it for anybody, but if you haven't seen Star Wars at this point, it's too late. At the end of five, you find out that Darth Vader is Anakin Skywalker. Then go back and watch the prequels. Episode one, episode two, episode three. That gives you the background story of Anakin, and then watch six. I can tell you that sixth, no, the Return of the Jedi in six is a diff- completely different movie. You've just watched one, two, three. It feels so much different, and so much more meaningful. So, Craig, you, you, like the Godfather watch, you know, you, like you, you gotta, you, they they do that on AMC sometimes, where mm-hmm. they've taken essentially the Godfather and they've separated two out, and, and they've put it now where you're watching it from the beginning. That's what Craig's basically selling. No, right mine's here. no, mine's not in chronological. Well, I know he's not chronological. Mine's actually like has like a flashback. So it's like you hit mm. the thing, flashback, see all of Anakin, and then see the the, the payoff in six. That'd I'm be, telling you, that's interesting. Watch it; it's the best way to watch it. it you, not the first time, but anytime after the best time. Fascinating. So, so my movie, and this is a little biased to, uh, again, seeing it in theaters. I think Tim, like Avengers Endgame, which is probably the greatest in theater movie experience I've ever had at a movie for sure in my yeah. life for sure yeah. so an opening weekend and people were cheering like we were at a St. John's game and it was so epic the, and it, it was the only time I was okay with people cheering absolutely. in a movie theater absolutely 100% it just uh, felt right it felt right it there felt were, right and, and, and you're 100% on the head there Nick because like 
you can't, like normally I'm like no like you're watching a movie you don't need to react to it it was just so natural the reaction here like it wasn't even like genuine, forced just genuine and it was just like genuine fans being excited about what was going on it was so such an incredible experience I remember that I yeah, remember yeah, obviously yeah, vividly vividly oh, yeah. I'll never forget that honestly that was, was the best movie I remember in I also remember when that ticket sale when those tickets went on sale right yeah it was first of all it was like the biggest movie to come out you know and this was pre-covid so everybody was like still going to the movies and literally we were all on we were all waiting for tickets and then for some reason i was in my office and everybody crashed Ticketmaster, or not Ticketmaster, amc yeah or fandango whatever crashed Classic. but for some reason mine didn't which is how we got those tickets yeah because <laughs> i was yep. like they were like oh i can't get that i was like i'm right here like what day are we going and they're like I forget what, what day it came out. It came out on Thursday, I'm sure it came out on probably. probably yeah. I think so, yeah. Or maybe it was Saturday. I don't remember. But it I came was, out at least Friday. It, whatever, was, at least it, was, Friday. A, it was a Thursday. What, I think it was, yeah. So I was like, cool. What time do we want? We want midnight or 12.15? We're like, no problem. Got Picked our seats right in the best seat. That was <laughs> great. I don't know how that happened. So shout out to the, the internet in, in New York City. But uh, that was a great time. Nick, what do you got for a series and movie? All right. So I'm not going to go with Star Wars. Lar- I, I do love Star Wars. You guys also pick Star Wars, so I want to... I'm not going to go. We're not going to go. Th- All right. Decent branch yeah. out. Uh, I'm going to go with Lord of the Rings. Uh, I love the Lord of the Rings love series. Love the Lord of the Rings. Uh, I think it's the most like, the f- it, it builds each. I mean, even Star Wars builds, but like the original ones are the best ones. And the first one is a standalone movie. And then the next one adds on to that and it continues the story. But like, I feel like the story chain is just better in Lord of the Rings. That's interesting. Better than. Did, did you, get, fru- one, did you get frustrated all... with Hobbit being three films? Of so course. I'm gonna go. I'm not. I'm actually didn't see The Hobbit, so I'm gonna say the first three, the original, the, the three original series. Three. Okay. Right. Yeah. Well, I tell you, I think I would count them as different series because, with all due respect, The Hobbit didn't need to be three movies. It should have been one movie, which would have been perfectly fine. Uh, but they are. I think they're different because they don't actually, as much as they have similar, they have some of the same characters. Although Legolas is in the movie and he shouldn't be. Um, <laughs> they they don't really deal with each other in, in real life. Yeah. Well, well, I never saw it, so. That's why I'm going in, with in real life. And by real life, I mean the book because ones. that's not that's. And the third one is just so epic. By the end, what is your favorite single movie? Favorite single. So my now. single movie. I'm gonna go. I am gonna go uh, a little different on this one too. I'm gonna go with the first movie of the the Chronicles of Narnia. The Lion, the, the Witch, and the, the Wardrobe. wardrobe. Yeah, the Lion, the wow. Witch, and the Wardrobe. Wow. That I remember. That was talk about an underdog. I was probably like nine or ten when that came out, and I was like. I don't know. It was just like, it was cool going into, I don't know, the whole, the, you go into the wardrobe and you spend all this time and then you come out and it's only been like a couple hours. Yeah. And it's like, they live their whole lives that in fantasy lands. That was just, and you know what I mean? I did love those books. Yeah. I did. They, they, I, I never did. read the books. Yeah, the Chronicles uh, they were good <laughs> books. They were. Is this, so I can't remember if it's real or if it's fan fiction, like conspiracy that they actually died during a uh, the bombing the by bombing Germans. In England? I, I, I think that's fan fiction. It's okay, not, it's, not, it's not real life. That's not that's not a canon, as they would say. By the way, uh, you can tell how nerdy we are. For God's sakes, we're talking about the we know in depth the the uh, fan fiction of <laughs> I, the line. Which you're letting us nerd out. So I mean, hey, listen, I, I'm the one who started the conversation. Um, uh, so for me, it's funny. I, I I very divided. I love them all. They all have a, a very special place for me. Um, uh, I have to say though. That I believe my favorite series is Harry Potter. It 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 just is is such a the yeah. you know it is. First of all, there's way more of them. There's seven of them, so it's a very long and very commitment committed one. Eight movies. Uh, well, eight movies, right? Seven. Sorry, seven books. Um, I I 
you know, my wife loves them too. We're we're very much uh, we enjoy it. We enjoy always having them on. Uh, we have plates that are Harry Potter, but we also have plates that are Star Wars. So uh, <laughs> that we eat dinner on regularly. Uh, we you know Harry Potter decorations, and and uh, you know we go to Universal, we go to the Harry Potter land. We went to London. We saw the actual studios where they shot it. Uh, I remember when we went to the movies when that those movies would come out. Yeah, yeah. they used to come out right around my birthday in the, like November fourteenth, right. fifteenth. Mm-hmm. We would always go to like the midnight show. It's, of I mean, it, it, it was a pretty epic cultural. When phenomenon. when Harry Potter like took over, it was it was the first, I would say, fantasy movie that like caught mainstream. Right, like that was the one where like you know the people had lines at Barnes and Noble for yeah. kids. It's because they what they did was they did a smart job of selling it to kids at first. And the books aged with the kids. So, like, yeah. if you were reading the books, they got darker and darker. I don't think they did a good job with the movies. Uh, I think they went too soft on the movies to keep what they thought was a child ideal movie. When in retrospect, by the time the the eighth and seventh and eighth movies came out, the kids that had started Harry Potter were old enough where that movie could have been a real PG thirteen movie, like a, a legitimate. It's pretty dark. It's pretty dark. It has death in it. I'm just like I'm that. just telling you. I think they could have gone more true to the book. Um, so anyway, I love the series though. I think it's it's one of the all time great series. Um, my single favorite movie though of all of the uh, in all of the fantasy worlds, um, I think it is probably Transformers. <laughs> Definitely, <Ooh. laughs> maybe Drunk Vincent. Um, <laughs> uh, no, see, I, I I battle a lot. The first Harry Potter is there, but that's my series. So. I don't know though. I, that's that that one's up there. I think it's actually probably Two Towers, which is the second Lord of the Rings, would be my mm-hmm. favorite fantasy movie of all time, just because the battle at Helm's Deep is is so incredibly epic and spectacular uh, that you know I I just every time it, it's it gets me every time. Battle at Helm's Deep is very cool. It is a uh, you know. Yeah. Imagine you came here looking for basketball and you get to talk about the battle at Helm's Deep. Well, you know what? That's that's why people listen to us. <laughs> We're hey, a fun time. Hey, if you want to listen to some, some basketball nerds, you come here. You know why? Because <laughs> ba- we love basketball and we're nerds. All right. Let's get into some St. John's basketball, though. Big week. You know why it's a big week? It's a great week. I shouldn't say a big week. It is a great week. Perhaps the most spectacular week of the year. You know why, Tim? Tim, as you stare into my eyes, I'll tell you why. It's because St. John's is number one in the Big East right now, okay? First place, baby. The first place St. John's Red Storm. Now, listen, it doesn't matter that nobody else has played a conference game, okay? <laughs> don't, DePaul don't, did. Don't let the haters tell you that. Exactly. There is one other team. It was DePaul, and we beat them. 86-67. to 67. It was a win for St. John's. Puts us in first place, obviously. One conference win. We did cover, which is always fun to see. I appreciate the cover for St. John's and for our gambling friends. Uh, overall, it was the most complete game I think we've had this year. 51% from the field. 28% from three, 79% from the line. Absolutely spectacular. You know, out-rebound them by 10, 45-35. Turnovers, not as high as I would have liked. Only 14 turnovers for DePaul, 12 turnovers by St. John's. But every starter was in double digits. Soriano led the way, 17 points, 14 rebounds, 7 of 8 from the free throw line, by the way. That's what you love to see from your big man. Curbelo, 15 points, 5 assists, 3 steals. Another great game for him. Posh Alexander doing his thing. 13 points, 6 assists, 6 rebounds, 3 steals. God, I love Posh Alexander. Uh, Montez Mathis also had 10 points. And David Jones against his former team coming up big. 11 points, 8 rebounds, 
I, you know, a little revenge game for him. A little bit of, I, I got to show up a little bit because I left these guys. They certainly weren't happy about it. Yeah, pregame, you heard? Mm-hmm. Pregame, they, he went over to say, you know, to say hello to a couple of the guys, and they just stonewalled him, didn't, wouldn't, wouldn't talk to him. Really? Uh, and yeah. he was like, okay. All right. Well, he probably put dropped eleven, yeah. dropped eleven on him, and 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 we stonewalled their offense. Absolutely, right. mm-hmm. yeah. absolutely. He, you know, he he. Understandably for him, it was a big game. He didn't have his best game, but it's eleven points, eight rebounds, two two rebounds away from a double double. Got a block. He had a good night. Had a good night, and you know what? When when those when we have five guys, our five starters in double digits, we're going to be hard to beat. I think. Uh... To your point, I think we played our most complete game of the year. Um, you know, we all know we've had very slow starts to begin games. We were laser focused in this game. We came out right away. I think it was a 12-0 run, 10-0 run to start the game, and we were ahead early, and we hammered them early and often, and we just were in cruise control for the majority of the game, and we were flying all over the place. And uh, just a great, complete performance against you know uh, a Big East team, and that's what you like to see. You know, that's that's where you want to be. Posh had no turnovers in this game, which was great to see. Good to um, see him turn that around. Absolutely, absolutely. So you know, all around, just a, a great, a great night, a great start to the Big East season for us at Connor Second. Yeah, we also didn't play down to talent. We didn't play to what the other team was wanting to play in the first half. We had our foot on the gas the whole time, pushed down. We weren't committing bad fouls. We we. Did have some turnovers, but nothing that was. I mean, it was a trouble. Twelve is fine. Twelve, 12, 12 turnovers 12 is, is, fine. is about average for a offense that runs that fast. Twelve is going to be a normal thing. But Mr. Double Double Joel Soriano, seventeen and fourteen, two blocks, zero turnovers. Great night. Yeah. One personal foul. That's it. One personal foul. Oh, the seven or the seven of nine. Oh, sorry, seven of eight from the free throw line. Yep. Huge. Yeah, I mean, he, he had a very good year last year. Uh, the previous years at Forum, I think he was a around 60% free throw shooter. And then this year, he's been shooting around about 63. But this is, if you look at his form, you watch him shoot his free throws, his percentage does not match his form. So I think that's a sign for going into Biggie's play, further down along Biggie's play that Soriano is going to be shooting a better free throw percentage than he did in out of conference. That would yeah. be great because he's going to get fouled a lot, right? In the Big yeah. East, we know yeah. he's getting fouled a lot. If he can if he can go 7 of 9 or 7 of 8 uh, on most nights, yeah. we, we can be in good shape. Hey, if he keeps this up, not only will he be a first Big East, he'll also go possibly get the opportunity to win Big East Player of the Year. And because his stats have improved so much from last year, where he was averaging, I think it was just under eight and eight. Most improved. Good, I can see it. This week he, he was yeah. on the weekly honor roll. This week he was I, he was dominant because of his game ball. against mainly against the ball. I mean, they were actually triple. Mm-hmm. T- it, you know, there were times where he would triple teams in the paint. And he would just get the ball and still find a way to score. I mean, it was it was a dominant performance. He he killed it. Also to mention, Carbello had a a real bounce back performance after the terrible performance he had at Iowa State. Um, you know, he looked like the normal him on defense. He had. Five assists, uh, you know, shot seven from nine from the field. He had a three, uh, 15 points. He did have four fouls, which he, he, he keeps getting in foul trouble in a couple of games, which we do have to – he doesn't have to worry about. But I guess that's kind of a product of always trying to steal the ball. I mean, he's and, a, he plays aggressively. You know what I mean? So, I mean, you're getting, that's going to happen. Yeah. It, it is really just well, the nature of the beast for him, right? I mean, it's tough to see because you're right. You don't want him to miss minutes. But 
he, he he's going to have to limit that because the Big East teams are going to exploit that. And and even though DePaul is a Big East team, they you know that's we, we see it start to happen a little bit here against teams like Xavier and Creighton and UConn. They're they're teams that are going to let him foul them. Yeah, and, and let him get himself in and we, trouble. And we want him on the court. Yeah, right? no, I mean exactly. the problem is if he's, exactly. if he's in foul trouble, he he can't be as effective. He can't do what he needs to do. Um, but he was, I mean, he was able to do what he wanted to Absolutely. do against DePaul. We also have to mention Montez Mathis had an absolutely stellar second half before he went out uh, limping off with an injury. Um, before that, he went three from three from the field and went two from two from three. He came out and really pushed us in that second half to really make sure that we stayed ahead of them the whole time and stayed in control. Mathis really improved his three point shooting a lot this year. So it's a big, it's big yeah. for us. Certainly helped give us a fire there to start the second half. Two big guys off the bench, though, that we need that we certainly need to talk about was Pinzone, nine points, four rebounds, two assists for him, and Wusu, six points, five rebounds. It, it's, you know, Pinzone got a lot of minutes in this game, and that's really good. Those are things, you know, it, it's we're going to get a lot of guys in our rotation. We know that, but you never know how many minutes they're going to get. Pinzone seemingly absolutely the sixth man so far. He's going to get the most minutes, and you, you give him an opportunity like this, to get 22 minutes, he's gonna he's gonna you know pay it off, which which is great to see. So for DePaul, it was really two guys actually off the bench for them, Cruz and Nelson, who led the way with uh, 13 and 14 points respectively. Uh, it's you know listen, is it the best Big East team? No, it's certainly not. Uh, but it's a Big East win, and you know it it starts us off with a conference win in the right direction, and I think overall completely the best complete game we've played so far. And a great way to start off our conference play. Hey, a 19-point win. Can't ask for much more in the first game. Absolutely. Well, we had another win on Saturday as we beat New Hampshire 64-51. to We didn't cover this one. And to tell you the truth, at times this was scary. Uh, New Hampshire played a great game, and we did not play our best. 35% from the field, 25% from three, 71% from the free throw line, still good. Uh, we still won the rebound battle, but only 49-41. to 41. We need that number to be bigger against a team like New Hampshire for, fo- for sure. We only won the turnover battle 14-13, to 13 too. That's not good numbers for us. New Hampshire's a team we really need to out-rebound and really need to turn over because they're a team that really is in the same category as us. Uh, they had the same number of steals with us, which is a li- really concerning. They had eight steals. We had eight steals. Now, Mathis did get hurt in that game against DePaul. So he didn't start this game. He didn't play this game. Uh, it said it was Jones, Pinzone got the start. Soriano, Carbella, and Alexander. Uh, Jones led the way. You know, bounced back from that, you know, playing his former team to having a real great game. Double-double. 20 points, 12 rebounds, 4 steals, 3 blocks. Absolutely the all-star of the game. Kept us in it. Kept us in charge. Uh, Soriano, 14 points, 14 rebounds. A double-double once again. Mr. Double-double. Absolutely. The scary part here is that besides that, it was quiet. Posh had two points. Pinzone had three points. Curbella had five points. Fortunately, AJ Storr, working hard off the bench, 13 points for him, four rebounds as well. Wusu also had a decent day, seven points. It got scary at times, though. They had three of their starters in double digits. That's more starters than we had in double digits. And they played us tight. Very tight, so so tight that they had a lead in the second half at one point. Yeah, this really felt like a trap game, considering that we already started our Big East play. We were, we were juiced up for all that. We're looking forward to Florida State next. Uh, and we were thinking, you know, it's it's New Hampshire. We're going to be all right, we, especially after the win. Um, I don't know. Maybe we got caught a little bit, just lacking a little yeah, bit. I think that's what happened. You know, um, 
we you know we, had, we didn't play a great game. Uh, you'd like to see us follow the fall win with with another stellar performance. And look, we won by thirteen, but it was certainly if you watched it, it was you know it was nerve wracking at times. They were up in the second half, as Vince said, only up three at the half. Um, you know, Posh was zero for eight from the field. Rough, uh, Curbella, rough day for him. Curbella was two for nine. Th- those are not Wait. when those two guys are not shooting well and, or scoring. We, we got some trouble. Um, but I think we got to give a massive shout out to AJ Store, who had a, just a phenomenal game and gave you flashes of, of you know, how he can be for us going forward. I mean, he was deadly from three, making moves, making plays, thirteen points, uh, three you know, from four, three, three. For, and he was he was it was electric. So that is the the big takeaway I'm going to take away from this game. I'm going to, you know, we're, we're stay gonna, positive. Can a W can a, a win? A win uh, a AJ Store moving forward. Like if this can be a jumping off point for him, that would be a huge, huge benefit. To I this. think it has to be, and I think we need, we as a team, need to do a better job at making sure he gets minutes. I think in Big East play, he's a guy who could really help us. Obviously, Pinzone is going to be our sixth man. AJ Store needs to be a very close seventh man. Yeah, I agree. and if if that's our seven guys that are, and and Wusu going to be our eighth guy. He played well this game. He, too. he played well. He, this he game had too. a good game too. Hey, listen, if we can keep that eight man rotation. And then obviously we're getting we're getting you know Stanley's coming in too he's gonna be our ninth guy right if we can keep the, that nine rotation and we're getting you fu- are getting things from different people in different games I think you know we put together a deadly combination uh, but it's a matter of all of us coming together at the same time and and certainly didn't that ha- that didn't happen against New Hampshire uh, people were firing on different cylinders and it allowed them to stick around in the game now listen at the end of the day it's a thirteen point win. Yeah. So, but it's certainly scary in the second half there, and closer yeah. than it, than it needed to be. Yeah, with uh, just under seven minutes to go in that game, we were only up four, and then Jones really just smashed the pedal and he did really started score, and then store his threes, and I think Soriano got a dunk. Thirteen points does not describe the I would say the failure of. Not falling for a trap game. Now, successfully, we did not technically fall for it. Right. But offensively, we fell for it. This did ha- this did have the making of the classic trap game. You come off yeah. a win against the Paul at first conference when you're feeling good about yourself. It's only New Hampshire. You're looking ahead. You got Villanova, who just got you know just got some guys back. All of a sudden, they're not going to be that Villanova team that was losing to bad teams at the beginning of the year. It seems like a typical game St. John's would have stumbled in the past. And once again, we see that doesn't happen here. Yep. And I think that's that's a testament to Mike Anderson to get these guys back on track when things get bad in in bad situations. And, and listen, we came away with the W. So at the end of the day, this ten ha- and one this, heading into this. We skip through New Hampshire and Florida State. Didn't even talk about Florida State. Go right to Villanova. <laughs> listen, I, you know what? <laughs> we're talking about. We're talk- wait, a, a we're talking about Big East. He was talking about. Big I East. was talking about Big East. Games. I know, but you said you. I, I, you said oh, come oh, on, Florida State two and nine. With all due respect. No, you just said it, you said they're feeling good about the conference, and they got New Hampshire, and then they're looking ahead to Villanova. You just blew right by Florida that, State. Maybe that's the trap. Hey, game. To, be if, honest, if, to be honest, if anyone, I don't blame you. Florida State's terrible. If anyone's looking ahead to the Florida State game, they're making a mistake. All right, we'll we'll, we'll get to that game. We are going to look ahead to the Florida State game soon. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's you know, listen, it's it's a necessary evil to talk about that game. I I think they in Big East play is what I'm trying to say. I got gotcha, you. They're gotcha. looking, you know, they're thinking ahead. To, we're in Big East mode. We beat DePaul. Now we're you know. Let's look ahead. Let's go to our next Big East game. But you know, you, you do got to beat the New Hampshires of the world. Yeah. With, with as ugly as we looked in this game, I, I do want to say that we uh, we've always been known as a team that commits a lot of fouls. We foul everybody. We only had four fouls 
in this game. They shot two free throws. Wow. Uh, you know what? Watching that, I didn't even realize Every that. once in a while, we get some good refereeing. Unfortunately, it's against New Hampshire and not against UConn. Or <laughs> All right. Well, that did it for that week. A 2-0 and week. Another 2-0 and week. Puts us 10-1 and on the season. Obviously, like I said before, first in the Big East Conference with a 1-0 and record. Uh, as we, we begin to head into the deeper part of our season. However, first, we must discuss the spotlight player of this past week. Uh, I think this one is a little bit tougher than we've had in the past. Typically, uh, yeah. we've had a guy who's had two great games. Uh, we didn't have that this week. We, we, had, we, had, we had two a, guys who had two great, two great games this week. Well, separate games, but we didn't have any single player who had two great games. So I, I think we're no, overlooking... No, I don't great, think we did. I think we're overlooking the greatness of the man that is now known as Mr. Double-Double. We're, we're overlooking that. He had yeah, two, two double-doubles. Two double-doubles. He and David Jones both had two double-doubles. David, David Jones did not. David Jones did not. Oh, no, because he did Joel Soriano he got, he did, got, the... but I don't give him credit for having what he's supposed to have. He's At this point, he's supposed to have a double-double. <laughs> you don't get extra bonus points for having a double-double just because you have a double-double. That's not how that works. He's expected to have that. So I'm not giving him extra credit. So, so because it's in his name now, it's, it, it's exactly. fully expected. Exactly. It, it, he he really needs to dazzle me, if he's gonna be if he's gonna get extra credit points for getting a double double. It's all it's all I'm saying. My personal preference is against David Jones because he had a great game against New Hampshire, and even though he didn't have a spectacular game against the ball, he beat the team he left. So I'm gonna give him I would spotlight agree. because I, of that. I would say David Jones should be the spotlight. Not that Soriano didn't do a great job. Tim Tim Sing, Tim Sing Soriano, Nick, what do you got? We got two David Jones votes. We got a Soriano vote. Nick, what do you got for us, pal? The deciding fourth vote. Well, or the tying vote. Nothing like an even number to make it a tiebreaker. Oh, we can flip a coin. We'll go with penalty. Who knows? Well, let's see what Nick's going to say first. I am going to have to go with David Jones. Wow. Um, I think loser, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> I think David Jones is more. Never a loser uh, when you picked Joel Soriano. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying. I think David Jones is more electric, and I do. I mean, to to Vincent's point, Soriano. It, we're expecting him to always get a double double. And when he does, it's 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 the norm now. So he's got to really dazzle me. I see. Nick's got it too. I need a twenty point. Listen, he's or great. A, or a or a fifteen. He's great, 20, but at this point, I mean? it's the standard. You know, it's the standard. You 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 can't impress me with your with your petty fourteen rebounds against the ball. <laughs> okay, you you hit twenty rebounds, then we'll talk, Joel. Then hey, we'll talk. Hey man, you set the bar high. You still got to jump over it. Uh, exactly. Exactly. All right, we've got our interview segment with former St. John's great and 1,500-point scorer DJ Kennedy. All right, we are here with DJ Kennedy. Uh, thanks, DJ, for joining us. We really appreciate it. No problem, man. It's a pleasure for having me, man. Thanks. Thanks for coming. We appreciate it. Um, all right, so let's let's get dive right into it. So I think the first question we need to ask is, what made you choose to come to St. John's to, for your basketball career? It was really the staff. Like, I, I really fell in love with uh, – the staff, when they came and uh, watched me and recruited me uh, at the time, who was Norm Roberts, uh, Coach Q, Quarterbaum, Fred Quarterbaum, and uh, Glenn Breaker and uh, Chris Casey. And when they, they, I, I think they all came and recruited me, and uh, I just thought they was very genuine. And uh, I really fell in love with the staff the first time I met them. And, and I think once I, once I got to met them and, uh, and I came to St. John's, the campus, I just knew that I felt like this was the place for me. Yeah, I mean, when you, you joined the team in, I think, what, 07 was your first season. Is that right? Um, Correct. And that was, so that team was, you know, that team was, it was a big transition year for St. John's. I mean, prior to that, we had, 
had some trouble and we, we, you know, we were really trying to rebuild the team. So you were part of that, that team that really brought us back to, to national prominence. So it was, you were an important piece of that team, obviously. Um, and getting us back, I think it was great. I know you played with Dewan Blair in, uh, in college and being from Pittsburgh, I know there was a lot of back. He went to Pittsburgh. I know you um, being from Pittsburgh, that was probably a home, hometown pull there for you. Yeah. Yeah. We was, uh, you know, we're, we're close friends. We grew up in the same neighborhood. So we were like, playing with each other basketball price was like five six you know it was, we were uh me him uh, another guy deandre kane we all went to the same high school and we grew up with each other just like close friends uh so yeah it was tough you know of course i had a lot of attention interest from Pitt at the time but uh for me it was more of a uh decision for me and my family i just wanted to get away from home i felt like being at Pitt, which was literally in my back door, I literally lived probably two minutes away from Pitt's campus. So it was like I was already at Pitt. Right. I used to I used to play with the guys who was on the team, uh, open gym. So for me, it was just more about I wanted to get away, just uh, just just less distractions. You know, family. It's it's tough for a kid sometimes just going to the school that you grew up in. So for me, when I went to New York and seeing that it wasn't too far away, Big East great opportunity it was a no-brainer for me all right so what was um who was your best friend out of all the all the players you played with uh when you were at st john's uh probably uh sean evans and uh paris horn i think we was just guys who we were all like pa guys and we came in at the same time and, and you know i still throughout this day have a uh well especially sean being that we played on the same team overseas so have a close bond with them in Paris. I played TBT with. So it was two guys. Uh, I mean, I'm close with Varel as well, but I, I think uh, all three of them, probably more Sean, honestly. More Sean. Nice. So is that team still close? I know I know for St. Johnston's, that team was uh, was big for us. So were you, are you guys still close today, like most of the team, or do you still talk to those guys at all? Yeah, you know, uh, social media nowadays, you don't really, you keep in touch with everyone just, just watching social media and things like that. So it's kind of easier to, you know, keep tabs and you don't have to really reach out too much. But I, I definitely try, like Burrell, you know, here and there every summer. We, If we're not playing TBT, hit hit each other up and see what's next. Uh, Paris, I talked through out here and there. The white here and there, social media. Most guys just do social media, see what they're doing and things like that. But uh I mean, I'm pretty much, you know, is, we all still keep in touch in some way or some some fashion, some form. What was your favorite memory from playing at St. John's? What was the maybe the best game or best moment that really stuck out to you in your playing career? Me personally, for me, uh, I would say senior year. Uh, it was either the Duke for me personally, it was the Pitt game. I would say that just being at me playing against, you know, my hometown pit at the Gordon, I think they were ranked like top five at the moment. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and just the way, the way we won that game, I mean, a buzzer beat uh, the white. I mean, that's probably one of the most classic moments from St. John's just from that rivalry in the Big East. So I think that definitely, man, the uh, crowd was electric. Just being that team and just seeing playing at the Gordon against your hometown and finally winning. I think that was probably one of the best moments for me, other than, I would say, Duke as well at the Garden. Those yeah. two moments are something that I'll always, you know, always bring back memories of that, uh, of that team. 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That that month, you I think you guys beat three top ten teams in the Garden back to back, back to back games. It was Duke, UConn, uh, and obviously the Pittsburgh game, which you talked about. And, the, and that Pittsburgh game is really one of the, at this point one of the most iconic games in really the program over the last twenty five years or something like that. Um, I was there. I remember that game was insane. Um, it was it's seared in my memory. Uh, you made some big plays down the end, which had to feel good against against Pitt and against, you know, the guys you, you grew up against that during that month, it had to be great. I mean, you guys went undefeated that month and, and you had some really big wins and the garden was packed, like you said. Um, and you guys were really on top, top of the world, really in New York. How did that, how did that feel? I, it felt great for us because we knew how hard and how much time we had to put in. You, I think we came in with eight or nine freshmen and we had our struggles throughout, you know, throughout college has been that, at that time, the Big East, when we came in the Big East as freshmen, Big East was pre- pretty, for sure, was the most dominant conference in all of basketball. I mean, you, you talking about guys like Sam Young, uh, just from Pitt team, LeVance Fields, like, you go to Georgetown, you had, uh, who was there? It was, it was so many good teams in the Big East, it was tough. So yeah. us freshmen, for finally us, we felt like we had our, we had our chance. We was the seniors, and we finally got some revenge from, you know, through all the struggles we had. So, so that month, it found like, we really felt like what it, what it paid off. We felt like it, it finally paid off and we were a team. We just knew we were destined for, uh, to be good that year. Well, all, all seniors, the chemistry, new coach, we just was really clicking and man, it was just a special group, a special moment. So how was that transition between, I know Norm Roberts was, was the coaching staff that recruited you and, and you guys developed over those years and you played, you know, the three years you were there prior, you guys had some success as, and you kind of grew year by year and got better and better um, as a team. And then Lavin came in for that, for your senior year. Uh, so how was that change? What was, you know, what were some of the differences between uh, working with Norm and then and working with, um, with coach Lavin? Uh, well, Norm, I just think that, uh, the foundation, like the, it was pretty much already, you know, established. Like we, I think, I mean, I give a lot of credit to Steve Levin as well, but I think that everything was pretty much fun. We were, I felt like we were destined to be good the following year. Right. I felt like we seen the potential. We knew how good we had. And uh, I think Lev just brought a whole new feel for us, the Big East and just the way he do things. And, you know, he just made it feel like we were a New York team. He just, you know, the way he talks and everything, the way he goes about things. And, and we finally we finally felt that. I, I, I think, uh, I mean, once we start clicking in the Big East few wins, you could just see, like, the, uh, the tension we were getting. And uh, we felt like New York basketball, just from the fans selling out games, you see, it seemed like the whole New York was behind us. And, uh, and, and you could just feel it, man, with just lab. He made sure that uh, we lived in that moment. And uh, that we didn't take it for granted. And uh, I think that's what made that group so special. Yeah, when we had the opportunity to talk to Mike Dunlap previously, and one of the things he did talk about, Uh, you being one of the best players that he had on the team and having a toolbox, just a full toolbox of skills, but also being an elite rebounder, which he said ended up being one of those key things that set apart games at the end of games. What's something that you think you may have gained from your senior year around Coach Dunlap, who's with the Bucks now? Oh, man, I, I actually gained so much from Mike. I, I think he was a big part of me as far as 
not really call it even after college as far as the development to be a pro. Like I remember, cause for me, it was a big transition from my junior year. It was like the guy, like, you know, uh new staff come in uh, and it goes like for us from being a guy to like seeing different, like they're going a whole direction, but with Dunlap, just being able there to be mentally, just talk me through things. And, you know, when uh, he was really like a father figure in a way, just being that his approach and man, he, 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 anyone you talk to about Dunlap, they just tell you the way he go about things. He, you learn so much. And for me, I, I just learned how to be a pro, be patient, uh, a lot of ups and downs, but, you know, just stick with it. And I think that helped really helped me throughout my senior year when I felt like uh, things weren't going my way and, you know, just stay with it, stay consistent and, uh, and see the bigger picture as far as the group. And I think, uh, making those sacrifices just to make a better team. It really helped me develop as a person more than a player. And I give him a lot of credit for that. Yeah, and talking about developing uh, as a person as well, uh, you went through the highest of highs and the lowest of lows your senior year, unfortunately, with the ACL injury. Uh, I know that's gotta be tough going through the biggest tournament and then having that injury happen. What do you think going into your future that that injury ended up doing for you? Honestly, I think it, it just made me more determined, more hungry than I was. I already was, uh, I felt like I worked hard, but I, it was a minor setback to me that, I mean, of course, when it happened, but I never got down on myself or negative. I always looked at, uh, you know, what's next? How do I go about this now? Uh, I have family had great support in my corner. So I never, even though it was, to me, it was probably one of the worst moments there with anyone since just been at the time of the injury or as the Big East tournament with the group we had knowing how special and felt like I really could have helped that group as far as the Big East and the tournament I felt like I think felt like we got a bad seed because of the injury too like I felt like we should have had a higher seed and you know a lot of goes into that I was able to stay positive just been now I was already looking once I got hurt I mean of course a week or two you, you'd be down but it was I was already looking forward to the next step. And uh, I was already rehabbing. Uh, you know, it was tough just seeing my guys getting ready, you know, for what's next in their career. And I'm just sitting there rehabbing. But um, I, I stayed positive and uh, it worked out pretty well for me. Um, actually, I guess the Knicks helped me out as well. They sent me to their D League team, let me do all my recovery and things like that. Ended up uh, once I got healthy joined the team, got called up. So it worked out pretty well. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it was definitely a tough end to that senior year, which was which was such a good year that you talked about. It's such a, such a special group. Uh, it felt like a team of destiny. You guys, you know, kind of ran through the season. There were such great moments. Uh, and then for it to end in a, in a game against Syracuse on such a freak play, it was a devastating day, for, for sure, for you more than anybody else, obviously, who wanted to be out there and do that thing. But I know across St. John's fans and, and the team, it was a devastating moment because, you know, we were winning that game against Syracuse and we were, we were going to win. If you didn't, yeah. if, that, if that didn't happen, we would have won that game. Right? I could feel it. And you're right about the seed thing. We definitely got, we definitely got a, a bad seed because of that, which mm -hmm. which sucks. Because we, you got that team earned a top four seed. You guys were one of the, you yeah. know, one of the best teams in the country and, and should have got that recognition regardless. It was, it was definitely a tough moment. And now you played obviously a lot of games like the Garden, a lot of games in Carnegie Seco. Which oh. which venue is your 
your favorite to play at? I mean, it's two different feelings. I think for for us, I felt like the big games, we wanted to play at the Garden. It's the Garden, you know. It's the Mecca. Everyone, this was, this, this was one of the reasons why I even chose St. John's. I got an opportunity to play at the Garden. You know, it's not too many people get to play at Medicine Square Garden, especially for all your home, for the majority of your home games. So I, I think you can just uh, feel it. Once you walk into the Garden, you plan on the Garden, it don't matter who we plan, it's just the whole atmosphere changed. And uh, in Karnaseka, it's more like that college, you know, you feel like you got the advantage. You're at home. This is where you practice. You practice every day. So it was two different feelings. So, but I think they both in their own right was special for both of us. We like playing both. Uh, you know, that national stage, you get a team like Duke or UConn or some at the Garden. There's no other place you want to play that at the Garden. Then you get, you know, some of your rivalries in Big East, like a Providence or Seton Hall. Sometimes you rather play on campus just to get that advantage. So I, I think they both was pretty pretty good for me. Yeah, yeah, they definitely they definitely both serve their own purpose. Um, so yeah. like like you said, they, they have advantages and disadvantages. But so what was your favorite road arena to play? Because you know there's a lot of Big East schools, and plus you played at a lot of you know obviously other arenas. What was the one you liked playing in the most? I I don't know if it was the we played in the most, but the most favorite that I remember is uh, Duke Cameron Indoor. Cause you know, as a kid, you watch up C Cameron Indoor and for you to actually play there and realize, cause I never knew till we actually played there, how small Cameron Indoor was. I mean, you see TV and you see all these like, mm -hmm. oh, this, this must be a big, big canvas, but you don't really feel, <laughs> you don't really understand it until you're actually there. The fans are on the court two hours before the game. Uh, before you warming up, I mean, it's just electrifying just to play. I, I think that's one of the most favorable gyms that I, I think I played in in college. Just being the atmosphere and, and how much, you know, tradition and everything that goes behind camera indoor with Coach K and the fans. And just, I think that's that's definitely one of the most special plays for me. Yeah, definitely. And one of the most, you know, iconic and, and important venues in all of college basketball. So definitely, definitely a great choice. And obviously, uh, the smallest is something I've heard. Obviously, I've never been there, but I can definitely see how that would be diff very different from when you're playing there for sure. Um, yeah, it's like an advantage for them because it's like the fans are literally on the court on your back. You're taking the ball out. You can you can feel the fans breathing on your neck. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's wild. They stand up pretty much the whole game. It's, it's electrifying, and, you know, as a basketball player, that's that's one of the venues you, you dream of playing at. So was there a team specifically that you, uh, you know, hated the most or or, or were always looking forward uh, to on the schedule? Seton Hall. Seton Hall, just being at the time, because we were like – we were like one of the – we were always neck to neck for us just at the time for seatings or, you know, like we were always – so when we played Seton Hall, we had fights on the court. It was always – a game we circle, we got to be Seton Hall. We we, we want to see Seton Hall. So I definitely feel like at that time, Seton Hall was probably the most team I, I, I disliked at the moment. And I felt like they felt we didn't like them and they didn't like us. I felt like that's how it was back in the Big East. You know, the rivalries was real. So now you, you've had a great uh, post-St. John's career. So let's talk about that a lot. You've played in, in, a, in a host of different countries. So what was your favorite country to play in and your favorite team to play for um, since since you've left St. John's and started your professional career? My favorite experience probably was NBA, Cleveland, of course, then it's sure. the NBA. But uh, as far as country and team overseas, I think my favorite country would have to be between Australia. Australia, 
was pretty, I think that's one of my, my favorite countries being that I never knew how good Australia as a country was. I mean, you don't, you don't hear too much till I actually went over there and played and experienced in Melbourne and seen the people and the culture, everything. It was, it was like shocking for me, like, wow, this is, this is, yeah. this is really nice. And uh, the way they treat for players, the, the, uh, the venues, like it's, it's very professional. So I think that's definitely something that stands out for me. Also, uh, Israel was nice. I'm sure you're a lot of players say Israel because it's uh, great weather all year round. And uh, the people was nice, uh, great place to play. And my favorite place, I would say probably uh, Turkey as well. I did three years in Turkey and Izmir, Tenor Karshiaga. Uh, the fans, I think just the fans there was, man, the, the fans bring so much enthusiasm to the games and they're, they're always by your side they're screaming like they, they have one of the best fans supports and I think all of Europe so I think that was another great place that I, I really enjoyed which one of those countries had the best food best food hmm. Import, that's an important topic because you know if the food's not good yeah. you can't you're gonna struggle I've been I've been blessed to be in some places with good food uh, Israel had great food and uh, Turkey was pretty good too so I Maybe Israel. If I had to say, I would say Israel because they, you know, they had the whole Shabbat thing, the tradition thing. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's always about food. Every time you, you know, it's always holidays. So I I would say probably Israel. You talked about playing for the Cavaliers. So what what was that experience like? I mean, you played there for for a little while. How was playing in the NBA and and what was that like? I mean, it was a dream come true, you know, uh, just especially uh, as a kid, you know, that's, that's, that's something you always look forward to. And then you, you never know if it's going to happen. Not too many people get to experience that. And then the route I had to go, like you said, I had to go through injury, come back off injury and still be able to get in there. I, I think that was a special moment for me. And just, you know, I mean, I didn't realize it. Sometimes you just live in the moment when you're actually doing it. So, you know, it was definitely just to be around guys like, you know, Kyrie, a lot of, different pros at the time and you just see how their career shape out and just be a part of that. So I, I think that definitely was a great experience for me. Yeah, it's weird when uh whenever you think there's a, a Johnny in the the market for to play in the be in the G League with Cleveland, there's always an opportunity that fits their position. And it just it seems to be a struggle to get you guys in there. It happened with you, it happened with Sir Don Pointer. It just yeah. it, it's weird sometimes how it works out that way. I, I think it's just more about the, uh, you know, time and opportunity. Like uh, sometimes, you know, the timing don't be right for the opportunity. But uh, with Cleveland, you know, you just see the different at the time. Like man, they, they start, they was re, you know, they was rebuilding everything. Then LeBron just pops back up. So it's <laughs> It's just, you just never know. You got to be lucky, honestly. It's got a lot of luck, a lot to do with luck as well. So you played in the Ukraine, what was it, two, two years ago, I guess, at this point? Or uh, last year. Last year, last year. So how was that? Uh, you know, you were playing with D'Angelo, um, and you were also playing with uh, with Sean Evans um, yeah. in, on that team. So, and then you had the war that started in the middle. So that was, so how, how was that whole experience, you know, playing there and playing with those guys? Man, it was great. It probably, as far as my experience overseas, for as like camaraderie and chemistry, for as a team, I think uh, that was the best team I've been a part of, for as my professional career. Just a lot to do with 
it's three Johnny guys who already basically know each other. So it made it easier for me. Then we just had other guys who really, you know, just clicked in as well with uh, DJ Stephens and even the Ukrainians. Like it was probably one of the best far as groups that I've been a part of. And, uh, you know, that translated to on the court, which made us so good on the court. And it's just, it, it, it's sad to even see that we had such a special group and we were destined, we were destined to win. And, uh, you know, something unfortunate, like a war happens and it just really messed up our whole season. So uh, it was tough, man, because I, I really felt like that group, we were we were bound to win. Uh, we were undefeated in the Ukrainian League, and then we were top 16 in Champions League, or we were headed to the top 16. So, uh, or we were headed to the top eight. We just made top 16, and uh, they had to stop it. You know, we had to switch. But um, I mean, as far as the people in Ukraine, it, it, the situation was it was weird for us because we were here back home all the time, like, hey, uh, you need to really get out. You know, they're saying this and that. But the people there, you know, they, they, they've been dealing with that for, for years. Um, so it was nothing new for them. And like, we've been going, you know, we've been hearing this for years. You always say this, we've been going to war. So it was just, you know, it was we're caught up in the middle, like uh, what's true and what's not. And uh, I think once the uh, U.S. Embassy had, we had got the call, like, hey, any, you know, Americans, you probably need to get out now. Right. I think that's when we took it to the president and the team and they did a great job of just really listening to us and, you know, worried about our safety and concerns and got us out before anything really uh, happened. Then that's when we went to like uh, Czech Republic just to wait and see how things played out. And then, you know, things eventually got worse. So it kind of stopped everything. It was like, I mean, it's a spirit. You, you just didn't know what happened. It was like, hey, we can't, you're on your own. Well, yeah, I figure out how you're going to get home and what we like. Like, you know, as, yeah. as a pro, you don't think something like that can happen. But, right. You know, uh, it's just a very unfortunate situation. Like, I don't think no one knew uh, really what was going to happen for us with the ward. And, you know, so we just we did what we was able. They did. They helped us as much as they can. And we was able to get out of there you know, and was safe. So I think that was the biggest thing. We're glad you're home and that everything worked out well. And fortunately, your season came to an end before you really wanted it to. Which, uh -huh. Unfortunately, happened to you now twice with that in, in 2011. So, but it happened um, three times for me because really? uh, Turkey, uh, and that was another year. I probably should have two more championships if uh, COVID. We was oh, going to true, the final right. four, and COVID stopped it. And we had to stop then, and it was so. Yeah, I've been. I haven't really caught a break with. <laughs> <laughs> for real, it's like something against you right now. There's a couple of things, right? It's like yeah, what's going on? it seemed like. And every time I have a good group or I feel like this is going to win it, something like this happens. So it's just unfor unfortunate, but, you know, it's part of it, I guess. So maybe set up with a little worse group so we don't have these kind of ending things because, you know, we don't we can't have another gold pandemic or war. So, you know, no yeah, pressure, no pressure yeah. or anything, but, you know. Yeah, hopefully we good this year, man. So <laughs> most important, everybody's safe. So I think that's 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 cool. So, also talking about your your post career, I think we got to talk about the uh, the TBT team. You know, you were you you were on that overseas elite team that that one that started the TBT. Uh, that was really dominant. Won a bunch of championships in a row. So, how did that team come together? Can you talk to us a little bit about you know the TBT in general? Yeah. So, overseas elite, uh, the team came together. As far as me, I didn't really know too much about the team. I was actually in uh, 
I was in summer league at the time. Uh, when when I first heard about it, mm-hmm. uh, Paris had uh, hit me like, "Yo, bro, they they doing this tournament, you know, million dollars." I'm like, "I'm in summer league. I don't know. I mean, I, I gotta see how summer league goes." And then he was, I wasn't really sure if I wanted to do it. I was playing a lot in summer league, and I was focused on that at the moment. So I was like, "I don't know, bro. I, I, I'll let you know after summer league." Then he uh, wrote me like, "Hey, we got a game here." I, I swear, I'm not sure where was the first place we played. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and do it. million dollars. I didn't know who really was on the team at the moment. But I know, like, the first week, they barely had – oh, yeah, the first week, they barely had enough players. He was like, if we get through this, we only got four, like, four or five games left for a million dollars. I'm like, all right, let me let me know if, if, how it goes and, and I'll, I'll join. And <laughs> right. he called me like – he called me like, oh, we, we won the first round. We, we got – I'm like, four games for a million dollars? Like – Okay, why not? Why not, right, yeah. So, yeah, I know they barely had five players in the first because everybody was probably – I think someone showed up like five minutes before the game and they ended up winning. So, uh, the next round, I had met them somewhere. And the first game we played, and I'm like, wow, this is for a million dollars? Like, no disrespect to the guys, but at the time, the competition wasn't that great. It was a bunch of guys who probably – just not really playing overseas or who played at home or street ball. And it's like, if this is something we got to play, this is going to be me easy million dollar. We had a bunch of guys who were playing professional overseas, knew how to play, you know, the right way. So I, I was like, after the first game, I actually realized like, this is possible. Like I, I see this is possible to win a million dollars. And then, um, so I think uh, after that first year, and we actually did win it. You see the chat was like, man, I, I can't believe they even have a tournament like this. Like right. I was still in shock that there was, you know, you it was the first time I seen something like that, especially in the summer, you know, for a million dollars. And I think after that first year, it just got more exposure and we got better or as we bought uh, Burrell the following year and uh, we got better and we won it again. So it was like, you know, something you don't realize it took because you're, you're in the moment and you just keep doing it once, twice. It's like, Man, like this is this is crazy. Then they raised it to two million dollars. <laughs> we wanted that. It's like, man, this is becoming like a summer, <laughs> you know, like a summer job. So it, it was uh I don't think we realized how special it was because we were just living in the moment. Like right. we just uh, yeah. and the more and the more and more pressure got, yeah, it felt like the more we wanted to play. Like I was like, oh there's no way they gonna win it again. So I, I think we think we really look forward to that. I don't think we I think we look more forward to that, the group we had. That's, that's what made it more special. That guys ain't, of course, we cared about the money, but we wanted to just keep proving people wrong. Like, right. okay, they're going to lose this. And we just had a special group, special bond, man. It's probably one of the best teams I've ever been a part of, just being that people realize, like, it's so much work that people put into TBT for us practices and that we – when I told people that we never practiced, we didn't have time to practice. Right. A lot of guys is with a family coming back from overseas. No one wants to get together two for two weeks and practice, especially when you only have what less than a month and a half to be home before you got to go back overseas. So we will, we will literally meet the day before the game or the day of the game and just go play. Wow. And, um, and it just shows you that how special that group was for us just to figure it out on the fly, just be pros, and uh, and be able to win that many games, you know, so single single elimination. So I think that that that's definitely out of something was been a part of me and, and part of everyone who was 
part of that overseas elite team. That's it was just a special group. Yeah, and you guys won four champ- TBT championships in a row from 2015 to 2018, and you were twice the MVP of the tournament. So obviously, it was it was a huge, you know, you guys dominated. I mean, you really dominated the TBT in the early, you know, early part of the tournament, which you said it's gotten bigger and bigger every year. It's really grown. It's a huge, a huge event now, which is great. It's a, it's a very cool thing and cool to see. And, and really, you guys were, were dominant. Yeah, I mean, man, just to be a part of that, you know, winning four straight, I think that I, I don't know if that ever be done in a tournament like that again, especially single elimination. It's, it's very tough, you know. Right. You got to play pretty good every game. So I, I think that's that's something uh, I feel special about, and I'm glad to be a part of that you know, history. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to never have, to never lose any of those games, like you said, it's a single elimination and to win four straight and really not really practice is, is unbelievable actually. Yeah. That's what, that's why I, I still don't believe it at times. Like, man, like we were so good with one another. We could argue, be about the fight, go back out on the court, act like nothing happened and just play. Like we were just, you know, pros, real pros and guys who just had high cues and knew how to play the game. Yeah. D'Angelo told us that you got, tattoos of the championship years for the tbc yeah. he could answer this is that above the knee you blew out your acl yes yes was yeah. that connected yeah yeah definitely it had a lot to do with that i knew after the last one i was like yeah i'm, I'm gonna go ahead and we get this one i'm gonna go ahead and get it so yeah that, it was big for me to get that probably get i'm sure i get more just you know as life goes on and you know more story to write stuff yeah. like that well, you still have more room than uh, D'Angelo does, so you have yeah, more options. I don't even think he has any more room. He's he's finding room. He's going over tattoos. <laughs> That's just, he got too many tattoos, but uh, it's something that you know you get to express and things you 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 get to go back and you look at. And it takes you to a you know moment in life or a time, and you could you you can think about that. Like now, I remember that time when I got that tattoo or this things like that. Um. So, what was your your best professional basketball memory so far? I have, I have so many. I don't know, um, <laughs> no pressure. Of course, TBT, because, you know, yeah. just being at the amount of money and the prize and mm-hmm. how special that was. But uh, I think, of course, Cleveland, I think my first game playing in the NBA, I think that was a very special moment for me. Absolutely. What else? Pros overseas, I didn't, just so many. I think those are some that stand out. Of course, there's other times of pros, one, over te- one on different teams, um, but I think those, for me personally, stand out the most. So who's the toughest player ever played against? Professional, college, uh, that you're like, damn, this guy is he's, he's cooking today. In college, you see college, I would have to say, like I said, my freshman year, I was going against guys like Sam Young, Patrick Young Jr. <laughs> like, it was so many pros. So I would say, but I think for as my class or someone I really respect, and just seeing seeing the transformation was uh Marshawn Brooks at Providence. Yeah, he was, I think he was one of the harder. As far as college, he was one of the toughest players I played against. And that I seen him his first year, and I was like, uh, okay, he's all right. And then next year we played, and it was like, this guy's a pro. <laughs> it was like day and night. He got so <laughs> much better. And just to still play against him against, I see him overseas and see the career he's having. Like he's probably one of the best scorers I ever played with college. College, I would say him and uh, another guy, uh, Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler at Marquette. Yeah. The transition he had from like his what was that, his junior to his or to his senior year was like it was it was crazy. Like I didn't even think I, you knew he was like a hardworking blue guy, 
but just to see him develop, and, you know, he was Marquette's one of the premier players as far as his senior year, and just you see how he is now. So I, I think those two was two players that, you know, as far as the college, college level that I, I, I really respected, and it was tough. All right, so now on the flip side of that, was there a guy in college you're like, this guy can't guard me? If I get the ball, just give me the ball. I'm gonna, I can get past them every time. There's a lot of guys like that. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of guys like that for sure. Especially the little guys. Like sometimes it felt like about the time my junior senior year, when I felt like I developed into my body, it was like if he's too small, there's no way he could guard me. So I think yeah, there's not one that really stands out. One that stands out. So is what's the best piece of advice you ever got from a, from a coach or another player? Best piece of advice was uh ah, I done had honestly I done had so many great coaches and advice like guys I still continue to talk to like Steve Lavin, uh, Mike Dunlap who always every time he talks is advice. It's so many guys I'm trying to think player wise is I mean I, I've been around a lot of vets as well I think uh, as far as an even NBA just doing camps with, was it Vince Carter or something? I'm not sure which which vet it was. But I remember one bet was just telling me, just uh, enjoy it, enjoy the process. And, you know, it's a lot of ups and downs. It really talked to me about finance. Like, man, just try to make sure, you know, you uh, save as much as possible. Be smart about your money, you know, because you can't play basketball forever. And, uh, you know, it, it happens quick. But I think that really stuck out to me. I'm not sure which one said it, but I think far as that and just the older I got and becoming a vet, you see it like it, now I'm giving this message to younger players. So I, I think that's something I really still about to me. Well, that's, that's great. That's great advice. So have you gotten a chance to watch uh, the Red Storm team this year? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I actually, uh, I've been keeping up a lot with them this year. Well, I've been, I always try to keep up with them. Sure. Just been overseas and, you know, you play against a lot of guys who did college and, you know, we talk about that a lot, like, Oh, St. John's or so. So yeah. This year, now I really like the group, man. This year, I think they got a special group. I think they it's going to be a really good team. They can make a deep run. I mean, I, I like what uh, everything they're doing over there, as far as the coaching and you know the staff and the players they got. I think this is going to be a special team. Yeah, you can definitely see. You know, they have the, they have the players. They finally got all all together, and they seem to be putting it together. So we're we're hopeful. Yeah. I think you're definitely hopeful that uh, this can be be a great year for us. And now you're in Latvia right now, right? Yeah. Um, yep, so, so how's the season going? And you know, what's the outlook for the rest of the year? Uh, season right now, well, Latvian League, we uh first place. Um, Euro Cup, we're like six right now. We had a few tough games. Uh, we got a lot, few players injured right now, so it's it's a long season. We're right in the middle of the batch, but I, I think we got a great group. We got a lot of potential. We once we get things clicking. It's been that we, um, we we beat some of the top teams already in it. And I think once we figure things out, uh, as the season goes on, I think we'll continue to get better. And I think we could make a special, I think we can make a big run at the end. It's a long season, long as injuries, you know, guys stay injury free or healthy at the right time. I think we, uh, I like our chances. So when does the season wrap up? End of uh, April. I think uh, Euro Cup is like, if you make it to the championship is around beginning of May. So for me, it's a lot earlier than most teams in Europe. I don't know if it's because it's the Latvian league or not, but it's shorter than most overseas seasons. So I'll be done earlier than, than most people in Europe. Mike Craig told us that he's trying to get former Johnnies to come to Karnasaka, to come to MSG to honor them. And he's been doing it every game. Has he reached out yeah. to you? Yeah, I actually been talking to him a lot. Uh, you know, he, he's done a great job of just reaching out and really trying to, 
I, I think that's that's huge, and um, I'm glad he's doing that. You know, just trying to touch in with former alumni and just trying to bring them back any way they can. I, I think that's that means a lot just for us, and uh, you know, other alumni just being feel like they still part of the family, and you know, still have that opportunity to be there and go to the game. So uh, I definitely, if I get an opportunity, if I'm back, I would love. It's been a while. I think I haven't been back. Well, I haven't really had the opportunity since I think Chris Mullen. Think a game at the garden when Chris Mullen was there. So uh, if I'm back, I definitely try to. I, I definitely would make a game if there's in you know Medicine Square Garden or Carnesecca. Uh, that was great. We lo- well, we would love to see you there, and we really appreciate you coming on with us, DJ. It's been great to talk to you and talk back on your St. John's career, which was uh, you know a great career and really um, something for, that we all remember and celebrate greatly. So thanks for joining us. Thanks, man, for having me. I appreciate it. All right, we want to thank DJ for joining us there. It, it, he was such a great player, and, and it was so tough to see him, you know, get injured in that Syracuse game. And, and, and really, that rest of that season was, was tarnished because of it. It was brutal. That, that, that 2011 team with the first year of Steve Lavin, that was such a good group. That group was there. They signed on when St. John's was at a low point. Uh, and to see them build it back and to get to that point, it, it, was, it was a great team. And, and they were, you know, they really built it to where he was. And, uh, to see it end like that with with such dis- you know kind of despair, it kind of sucked that you know that team really could have went far. I mean that team, minus that injury, probably we would have beat Syracuse. We were winning, right? Um, or we were close. Maybe we weren't winning. Even but if we, we don't, I felt like we were going to win that game. Um, but we would have been a three or four seed. I mean, we yeah. it very easily could have been a four. Seed. We were ranked fifteenth in the country. Okay, I, I, um, even if we don't, I think we end up with a four. Seed. So like that team deserved better. It just deserved better and to see whatever. But it was great to talk to DJ. He was he was you know he was really great to talk to. So that was a steep drop too. The drop to the six. We faced a just, an underranked Gonzaga team with two seven footers, a couple NBA players on it. Uh, yeah, and, we, and you know that's that's bad. That's the St. John's dark cloud, baby. And they shot like sixty seven percent from the field in the three or something like yeah, that. Yeah, the tournament committee screwing us over. What a surprise! Yeah, <laughs> shocker. Yeah, yeah um, I mean they looked at our team. It's like, oh, your best rebounder, he's out. Two seven-footers. Yeah, that seems right. <laughs> classic. A classic St. John's fumble. All right. Let's look ahead to this current team. We've got a, one game this week. It's a doozy. Uh, Florida State on Saturday, 2.30 p.m. It's going to be on Bally Sports or MSG here in the local New York, New Jersey area. Uh, the game is is actually in Miami. It's at uh, the FL, uh, FLA Live Arena, which is where the Florida Panthers play. Uh Florida State though, just absolutely stinking things up. Woof. Two and nine this year. Uh, it's the only teams they have beat are Mercer and by some miracle Louisville. Well, Louisville, Louisville is well, <laughs> as hot as garbage as they are. Sure, but I mean, they, they, some of the losses that that Florida State have are actually, and and I say this in the most demeaning way possible, are actually pretty impressive. Uh, they have losses too, and and not that I'll run through all of them. Uh, but they have losses to Stetson, they have losses to Siena, Troy. I mean, really, really bad teams that we're talking Louisville about. Louisville hasn't won a game. They're 0-9. They lost to Bellamere. They lost to Wright State, Appalachian State. They're one of the two teams that are 0-9, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Now, listen, Louisville's not pretty, a great team. Pretty hot guard. Florida's yeah. Is a, I mean, I mean, but, but Florida State is yeah. also a dumpster fire, is my uh, point. Yeah. I mean, you look at Louisville. Louisville looks as good as well, the uh, guy who— Create Papa John's after a night of drinking with uh, frat boys. Well, at least at least Louisville had some tough competition. 
I mean, they, they, you know, they played Arkansas, Texas Tech, Cincinnati, Maryland, Miami, all those teams, pretty decent teams. Florida State has played absolutely no one particularly good except for Purdue, who is obviously very good. Uh, and, and they've they've stunk up the court against all of them. All to say, uh, it looks like it's going to be a good week for the St. John's Red Storm. They've got four guys who average double digits by some miracle on this Florida State Seminole team. Not really sure how they continue to lose games. Someone's got to score. With that. Well, I mean, sure. They're just, Everybody's scoring. I guess they're probably the only four scorers yeah. there are. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matthew Cleveland, I think, is going to be the guy to watch out for, if there's anybody to watch out for. 12 points, 5 rebounds a game. 45% from the field is a number that's that's very high. That's very high. We're not going to, well, I should say, we shouldn't have any trouble with yeah. this Florida State Seminole the, team. I mean, the Florida State Seminoles are 333rd in the nation in points per game with 66, and they're tied for 350th in rebounds with 33. <laughs> to put that in perspective. They, they, they do have a giant, though. To put that in perspective, we're sixth in the country in rebounds, and we have 43. <laughs> Yeah, but we have but, ten I mean, more than them a game. Jeez, in points where we have our fifty second and we have seventy nine a game, almost eighty points a game. But listen, but think about it this way: whenever we verse a team that's got a literal giant on their roster that is offensively inept, he gets seven a or eight to nine blocks against us, and they got Naheem McLeod, who is seven foot four. Yeah, but that's because oh, wow. we run down the lane and we just we try to do a layup on all the time. The answer yeah. is it's an issue for it's, us. It's not going to be an issue for us today because he's going to block the ball. It's going to go directly into one of our other players' hands, and we're just going to put up a shot and make it. Well, so, I think you also have to talk about for the Florida State team. Yes, they're they're really bad, but they're also to be fair to them, they are very very injured. They lost. That's true. They lost uh, Jalen Ganey. Uh, to an ACL injury. Baba Miller is suspended until at least mid-January. Um, and they also just, lo- in earlier December, they lost another forward, Cameron Fletcher, and he's going to miss the remainder of the season. So they are very depleted in terms of injuries and their team. I mean, Florida State has been good in years past, so fortunately for, for us, it looked like it might be an opportunity to get a good win on the road against a, a solid team, and it is not going to be that because uh, that's just not who they are right now. You know, the trouble is you book these things so far out. I mean, this this, this game was announced in July. You have no idea how the team's going to be or, or who's going to be around for it. Some games you even book further out. Yeah, it, it, it's It is what it is. Listen, yeah, yeah. we thought we had a chance to, to get against a good team, and, and Florida State in the past few years has been a tournament team routinely. Uh, it just didn't happen this year. So it's bad luck, bad luck for us, but... Listen, all it means is another W, right? Still got to win. Just got to win it. Doesn't matter. Wins you go down to Florida, you get a win. You're not going to get any extra points for winning this game, but head to the head into Big East play at 11 and one, and uh, you know, and and move on from there. Hope for, hope for the best from there on out is all we can do at this point. Yep. Don't fall for a trap. Keep it going and get into Nova. Yeah. Take uh, care of business. That's all we got to do in this game is take care of business. All right. Well, that'll do it for this week. For uh, Craig, Tim, and Nick, I'm Vincent. Go Johnnies. Keep chasing.